hope my message this evening is the plan of the enemy. The plan of the enemy. And it's, it's really, uh, messages are going to be preaching on Sunday night for a while, really focusing on our theme, unity of our fellowship, but kind of different angles, things that could affect us, affect us negatively, uh, in our unity and things that will help our unity. And this evening, um, I really want to communicate this uh, to un- help understand that there's definitely some things that people and enemies that do not want us to have unity. And their desire is to have us to be in disunity. And uh, I heard from many of you uh, since the weeks or weeks ago now, since we unveiled our new theme, that you were very excited about it. And, and that's always encouraging to a pastor to hear that. And uh, I, I hope you don't say it just to make me feel good, but it does encourage me. And uh, I hope you, you indeed are praying for the unity of our fellowship. And, you know, our enemy is not excited about this thing. He's not excited. Nor does he desire for us to be any more united for the cause of Christ. The enemy does not want to see one more person come to our church. doesn't want to see another soul get saved. He wants Mississauga International Baptist Church to do nothing for the cause of Christ. I mean, he really, the first step he would like to see us become like a social club where we just hang out and have a good time and nothing spiritual is mentioned. And after that, he'd just like to see the door shut and the name just disappear. It's not a name anyway, but the church would just disappear. And he's a determined foe. Okay? And he has many weapons at his disposal. And he does not hesitate to use whatever he has at his disposal against us. He's not afraid to use what he has. And you understand what I mean by enemy, that yes, it's, I'm definitely referring to Satan, yes, but there's more than just that enemy. There's our own flesh, right? And that's that's a one brute of an enemy on occasion. And it's the world system, the culture, society. There's so many different enemies that could be referred to. So many times you're going to hear me say enemy this evening, and I'm going to be referring to Satan, but that's just not the only enemy. In our busy lives we can forget sometimes that we're in a battle. You, know, you just get up and do your thing and move on. And I've I got to run to work and i got to run to do this. And the sad reality is that Satan is in the battle. He does not forget there's a battle. He doesn't say, oh, I forgot today. No, he's always in it. And um, he's always looking to stop churches. And he's always looking to stop Christians, individual Christians. Sadly, some churches he split apart, and some, because of his attacks, they are no longer a church. And I never want that to be named in our church, amen? Uh, Satan has no dominion here, and he ought not to have any authority here, and he should not be able to split us from the Lord's work. But we need to stand on guard against his attacks and his deception. Satan is the father of lies. And he doesn't have any problem, him or his minions, using it. And when you determine to live for Christ, you can expect attacks. Okay? But the reality, I mean, the reality is, you, we all have problems, right? Everybody, even those who are lost, doing their own thing, they have problems. So you having problems shouldn't be like a big woe moment. It happens to everybody. But we do, as Christians, when we decide to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, there's a little bit more of a focused attack. Uh, Satan uh, takes notice. The enemy takes notice. And uh, I found 
that there is comfort in those times when the attacks come on leaning on Jesus, amen, and leaning on His Word. Uh, and before I go any further, let me encourage you, always bring your Bible to church. You know, Satan doesn't really want you to bring your Bible. You know, bring the Scripture. It's important for you to know it. Amen? It's important for you to know what the Bible says. Uh, we, we need to get rid of this idea that, uh, well, I've heard a lot of it already. Um, you need to hear it all the time. I need to hear it all the time. It never gets to a point where I admit the saturation point. Oh, I can't take any more in. No, we need to be constantly bringing it in. I, I really believe that we need to fall in love with the Bible again. You know, can, can you remember the days when your guy, your gal was far away and how you just longed to be with them again? Oh, you daydreamed and maybe you doodled. So-and-so loves so-and-so. I can't wait to see him again. Hey, when we get away from God's Word, we should miss it. We should miss it. We should long to be with Him. Long to be in God's Word. And get in it. And that will help us. I just didn't stick that in just to say it. I put that in there on purpose because we're in God's Word. It will help us with the attacks of Satan and attacks of the enemy. Uh, our enemy is methodical. And he deploys his weapons with thought and he's looking for every edge that he can get. He, he is on the prowl and he'll attack. He won't give up. And our, and, and, and you know, you're like, well, Pastor Alcock, you're really not painting a very nice picture here. I'm not feeling the warm and fuzzy feelings right now. The reality is we are safe and secure in Jesus. Amen. Satan can't take us away from him, but he'll do everything he can to assault our testimony and make us ineffective for the battle. So I'm going to look at some things that the plan, I mean, obviously this is not the whole plan of the enemy because I don't even know every plan, uh, but these things will definitely hurt us, okay? And, and these are part of what he would like to see happen. So James chapter 3 and verse number 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeding blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things are not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. You know what I found? That improper conversation is definitely part of the plan of the enemy. People like to talk. Have you found that? I found that. I've been to different parts of the world, and every part of the world I've been to, people like to talk. In New York City on the subway, just past November, me and my wife were there late October, early November. There was people talking on there so loud I couldn't even hear myself think. Whatever. I've been to Europe and different parts, Eastern and Western Europe. People like to talk there. Everywhere I've been, there's people like to talk. 
astronaut, astronaut Michael Collins was speaking at a banquet and quoted the estimate that the average man speaks 25,000 words a day and the average woman 30,000 words a day. I do not know if this is a scientific formula or not, but this is what I read. Then he added, unfortunately, when I get home each day, I've spoken my 25,000 words and my wife has yet started her 30,000. The idea he gets to hear a lot, okay? <laughs> we like to talk, though. And the reality is, we say things that we should not say. James lays it out that the tongue can be can get us into a lot of trouble. And I don't need to tell you for a moment. I think the group that's gathered here this evening is well aware of how the tongue can be an unruly member and how it can cause problems. One moment, we're praising an individual. Oh, fantastic. The next moment, we're tearing down somebody. I know in my own life, I've said some things in the moment of a hot debate or, you know, I thought it should be said. Oh, I wish I hadn't said it. And that old statement, if it, you know, if it's not nice, don't say it. Don't, don't. Don't say it. The old devil would like to get you starting talking about others in church in an improper fashion. He would love to see you use your mouth to tear down your brother and sister in Jesus Christ. And you know this this plan is this method this weapon has been ongoing. It's not new. You know Satan's weapons and tools have been the same for eons. He just tries to put a, a new bit of lipstick or foundation or camouflage over it to make it look like it's new. Now it's not it's not right. But when we do it, the enemy gets excited because you're on a, you're on their plan now. You're you're following what they want, and that's an improper conversation. You know, I have a brother and a sister, uh, physical. You know, I have a brother that's 11 years younger than me, and I got a sister a couple uh, a couple years younger than me. I love them. I really appreciate them, and they've helped me out lots. And I, mean, I could tell you some really really embarrassing stories about them. But I won't. Because I love them too much. You know, uh, WBFs, uh, I could tell you all kinds of embarrassing things that my brother and sister did. And, you know, you might leave and say, whoa, I'm glad I'm not Pastor Alcock's brother or sister. Imagine telling everybody how bad you are. No, the idea is that I don't tear them down in public because I love them. Now, if I have a problem with them, yeah, I should go talk to them, right? should go talk to them. And just like if I have a problem with a brother and sister, I need to go talk to them. I don't go around in a public fashion tearing people down. That's not my prerogative. That's not my right. The power of words. A careless word may kindle a strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. I don't know about you, but I always want to be part of that second part of that statement. I want to be using my words to help and heal and bring joy. That's that's what my desire is. And I hope that's yours. We need to develop some of that self-control and be quiet. I don't know if this ever happened to you growing up, but... You know, maybe you're coming up with a good zinger for somebody and your mom sees you. And she kind of looks at you and goes, 
Don't say it. You're like, mm, it was so good too, Mom. You know, my, I know I've heard that word, this word from my mom a few times growing up was hush, shh, don't say anything. And it saved me some grief. It saved me a lot of grief. And it, if it's not edifying, don't say it. If what you're going to say is not going to build up, keep it to yourself. That's not to say that if you've got a problem, you can't go talk to the person about it because the, the Bible talks about that. Getting things right with other believers and talking to them, getting it right. Yeah, for sure. But I got no reason. We don't have any right in the Word of God to just spread out things that are not appropriate, that are that inconsistent, that will not edify. First Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil, uh, evil communication corrupt good manners. We need to be careful that this member is not communicating evil things. Because it'll corrupt us more than just our speech. It'll corrupt how we live. The word evil here means worthless, bad, harm, ill, and depraved. So the enemy's plan is us to speak, have a conversation that's wrong, improper. God's desire for us is to have conversation that is good and edifying. We have good communication. It's going to help us have that unity of the fellowship. We have bad communication, evil conversation. It's going to hurt. Look over in Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. And verse number 14. So the next one is uncaring spirit. An uncaring spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 14. So improper conversation, uncaring spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, that ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. That verse 15, that, that's not a very nice verse, is it? But if ye bite and devour one another. I don't want to be around people who are biting me. I'm not talking about physically. I definitely don't want to be around those people. Uh, but the idea here is that it's an uncaring way of dealing with people and, and using words again. And you know, we gotta watch out that we don't have an uncare, that we, we never develop an uncaring spirit. I sincerely believe if we allow ourselves as Christians to let our tongue flap all over the place and speak that's in a context that's wrong and tearing down, the next part, to me, it's a logical step is that we become uncaring about people. If we speak ill about them, it's not that hard to see the trajectory of being uncaring. If you say something nasty about someone, it's not hard to say, I don't really care either. Satan does not want you to be concerned about brothers and sisters in the Lord. Our enemy does not want us to care. We need to make sure our lives are are not about ourselves. We live in a society that's all about self. It's about I. Jesus calls us to be way above I. It's about others. To serve Him and others. 
Let us consider one another to provoke unto, unto love and good works. That, that's a good verse. That's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. That's a good verse for us to memorize and put in practice. Now, so often we provoke, but not to good works. Now, I'm so glad that Brother Dave, he's not even here this evening. Him and his wife are not feeling very well, so they're not here. But I'm glad that he provoked Brother Michael to lead songs tonight. Was that a good work? Amen. He was nervous, but he did a great job, didn't he? I'm so glad that Brother Dave provoked Josh Wong to lead our choir this evening. He did a great job. That's a prime example of how we can provoke unto good works. Encourage and say, hey, let's do it. And listen, folks, we get it wrong on occasion, right? We're, we, we try our best. We mess up. I mess up. Hey, I'm, I'm, I was being very um, uh, transparent this evening about me forgetting the... Uh, Vicenzios. I won't be allowed to be back there for a couple of weeks, but I'm being very uh, transparent. All right, we uh, we mess up, but when we mess up, is not a time to for us to tear people down. It's to encourage them to do better. You know? and from now on, I'm going to have a piece of paper and I'm going to write down who's supposed to be on my bus when I go home. Okay, so the idea is that we're trying to encourage each other on the good works, and Christ is an example of helping others. He healed thousands in his ministry. Now, what we've been looking through in the book of Mark is amazing. There were thousands of people there when he was healing, but when Jesus died on the cross, there was no thousands there, was there? Now, we can be shallow on our on occasion in our service. When someone doesn't heed the call or the advice, and I know I have to be so careful. I mean, I talk to lots of people. I try to encourage lots of people. And, you know, uh, not that I know everything, but I do have some experience after almost 20 years. I do know some things and I try to lay it out there, try to help someone and they totally ignore it. You know what the human flesh tendency is? Oh, whatever. Forget you. You're like, I'm trying to help you. Do you not understand this? And we can all get that way. But that's not the attitude I should have. I shouldn't have a pompous, a pompous attitude when someone doesn't listen to me like, oh, I'll just, you know, oh, you're so horrible. No. We should continue to encourage and be there as a good witness for Jesus. And when that person comes back and say, man, I wish I would listen to your advice. Do not, do not say, well, I told you. That's really encouraging, isn't it? No, I'd say, hey, that's okay. Praise the Lord that you learned something. Let's go forward together. Amen. And that's what we need to have. That's, aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't come to us after we've messed up 1,500 times and says to us, I told you that, but you wouldn't listen. I'm so glad that I can go to the Lord each time I fail and say, Lord, forgive me. And He puts His big arms around me and says, I love you anyway. We need to do the same thing with our brothers and sisters. You know, if we give up at the first sight of discouragement or disappointment, we would not get much accomplished, would we? We wouldn't. Uh, but we need to continue going forward. Provoking unto good works during a spelling bee contest many years ago. This is a in a Christian school setting, a big Christian school. They were having a spelling bee, you know, trying to encourage the, the good academics and things. And there was a fine leather Bible. One of the beautiful, most beautiful at that time leather Bibles was the prize. And there was two girls who made it to the finals. One was Susan and Betty. 
Susan came from a family that was pretty well off. I mean, it wasn't super rich, but they definitely could make their bills and, you know, they had more left over. So more like middle class. Betty was a daughter of a poor, hard working widow. So the school was, you know, the, the classmates, they were a little bit more sympathetic with Betty, really hoping Betty would win the contest, you know, just because Betty's, you know, she's got a bit of a harder time. And, you know, Susan's a nice girl too, but man, Betty, it would be so great. Well, Susan misspelled the word and Betty won. And they were so excited at school and Betty was happy. She got her Bible and she was so thankful. And on the way home, Susan's mom, you moms, you know, you can always smell when something's not quite right, don't you? You know, I know sometimes my wife's like, something's not right. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And she's she's uncovered a massive plot or something. No, I'm kidding. Not a plot, but she, she can figure it out. You just That's the way God made you. I'm glad moms are made that way. You know, that's fantastic. Because they get away with, <laughs> they get way more away with me than anybody else. But anyway, uh, you know, that's just the way God made you. And she could tell that there wasn't something quite right here with this. So she asked Susan on the way home, Honey, couldn't you spell that word? Susan replied, Yes, I could have. Mom's like, Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you spell that word right? Well, Mom, Betty's been going through a hard time. You know, Dad died recently and Mom's working hard. I could tell she really wanted that Bible, so I misspelled that word on purpose. Now, the moms I know by now would probably be sobbing as they're driving home because that's amazing. I mean, seriously, that is amazing that a little person, a younger person would get that. And so probably as she's making sure she's not hitting light poles and fire hydrants crying the way home, she said, what would cause you to do that? She said, well, Susan said, in Sunday school, the teacher taught us in honor, preferring one another. I thought I'd give it a try, and I'm sure glad I did. Hey, we need to give it a try, too. We need to live that way. We need to be in love, uh, preferring, an honor, preferring one another. We don't need anyone else to join the ranks of, I don't care about them. Rather, we need people to join the ranks to say, I will care. Even if they smell, if they have nothing to offer to me, if they are poor, if they are this or that, we need people to join that rank. We need to see that swell and show a love of preferring and honoring and going forward. Now, Satan doesn't want that. The enemy doesn't desire us to prefer one another. He wants us to say, it's all about me. It's all about me. Meet my need. Meet my need. When we get our eyes off ourselves and onto the Lord, we'll get them around those around us, and that will help us have unity and fellowship. It'll help us. Look over at Matthew chapter 28. So, improper conversation is a plan of the enemy. An uncaring spirit is a plan of the enemy. And neglecting the commission is a plan of the enemy. Verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. 
Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, if the old enemy can get you to speak improperly about others, if he can develop in you or cause to, uh, an attitude of unca- uh, you know, not caring and stop caring for brothers and sisters in Christ, you know what the next logical step is? Is that you won't be compelling the lost like you should. You won't be telling them. For one, your testimony is going to be shot by this time, won't it? If you talk about everybody the way you think they should be and what, you know, you're upset with the way they're not, they, they're not treating you right and don't care, well, no one's really gonna, you're not gonna have a really good testimony with anybody. You know, the old enemy, he doesn't want us to tell one more person about Jesus Christ. He hates it when we give out a gospel track or we witness to somebody. He doesn't like that one bit. And if he could only get us to stop telling other peoples uh, about Jesus Christ, he'd be winning the battle. If the message is not getting out, then people aren't going to get saved, right? Remember, we need to be proclaiming the message. Now, we live in a place with lots of religion, don't we? I don't have to drive more than a, not even a kilometer, and I'll find more churches and mosques and, and, and temples and uh, all kinds of different things. But the reality is, religion won't save a a person, will it? What saves is Jesus. And we need to be telling. There's a story told this many years ago, back in the the day when uh, travel from the old country, Europe, to North America was done exclusively by boat. And this one passenger was on the boat. I mean, it was a full boat type of thing, but this one passenger was really having a hard time with seasickness. Oh man, that is so bad. If you've ever dealt with that, you know how bad that is. And he was sick, that poor man. And he, he was in his bunk, not feeling well. And he heard the dreaded cry, Man overboard! That sick man thought, Oh God, help that poor fellow. There's nothing I can do. Then a thought came to his mind. I mean, this was, this was a long time ago. A thought came to his mind that maybe if I take my lantern down and I'll just put it in the porthole so my light can shine out, maybe that will help. So he did that. He laid, he stayed there for a few minutes and then not feeling well, he took it back and went to sleep. The next morning, you know, obviously that would be a talk of the ship is, what happened to that man? And in wonderful news, the man was rescued, which is near a miracle on the high seas. And, you know, any kind of situation like that would always gather a crowd and they gather around him in the, in the food area, you know, the, uh, you know, in the waiting lounge and things. And he said, I was going down in the darkness for the last time when someone put a light in a porthole and it shone on my hand, and the sailor in the lifeboat rescued me. Weakness is not an excuse for not trying. Weakness is not an excuse for not trying. God can use the little you have in amazing ways. 
I, I remember reading, or actually I heard this story from a pastor who talked to the man who did this. There was a man in a church in Michigan. He was, he was very introverted. He had a hard time talking to people, but he knew he had to tell people or get the message out about salvation. And he worked at a General Motors plant in Michigan, and he would go in the bathroom and put tracks all around. He knows of at least two men who got saved for that track ministry. Hey, what you, the little you have, use it. Don't, don't be fooled by the, by the enemy that what you have cannot be used. The enemy wants you to think that nothing, you can do nothing. And the reality is, there's truth to that. We can't do anything on our own, can we? We need Jesus. But when we get Jesus involved, oh, He gives us the strength to accomplish much for His honor and glory. You know what I found? Simple phone call. Hey, how you doing? Simple text. An email. You know, and I found this over the years that when you start developing relationships with the lost, with people in general, and they see that you care and you occasionally tell them that you're praying for them and please do pray for them. I've seen the doors open so many times where they have a problem and they share it with me and they, they just lay it all out there and I'm so glad they feel that they can trust me with that problem and that situation. And it's always a great opportunity to then say, hey, let me introduce you to somebody. His name's Jesus. And He can change your life. And right now, there's a couple coming to our church that I've had that opportunity to, to tell them about Jesus. And boy, they are considering the Lord that He's moving their hearts. I believe conviction is there. Hey, don't think that, oh, I can't do anything. You can. Hey, folks, it's not an accident that one of the objectives for our church this year is outreach, okay? Evangelization, soul winning, whatever term you want to use for it. The reason that I made the goal of 10,000 pieces of literature is to help you understand the importance and it's so important that we try to reach the lost. Amen? I, and the reason I said 10,000, that's a lot. I think we'll do it. I don't have any doubt we can do it. But the reality is I want you to know that it's important. And it's, and it's just not from my mouth, but from the Word of God it's important. We need to be reaching the lost. We need to be telling others about the Lord. And that's what we have missionaries in our church too. You know, we support missionaries. They're telling about the Lord in places that we can't go. And I'm so glad for that. To help them reach the people that we could never reach. So don't neglect the Great Commission. Look over in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. So the plan of the old enemy is to have the wrong kind of conversation, to have a spirit that's not caring for us to neglect the commission. And he really desires for us to have a lack of commitment. Just, who cares? Just do whatever we want. Hebrews chapter 10, and verse number 24. And let us concern one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day Approaching. I'm going to start with, you know, just there's so many areas that you could talk about in commitment, couldn't you? 
in our Christian life. There's so many areas, but I mean, we need to be in church, folks. I'm glad you're here this evening. And we need to be encouraging other people to be in church. And, and you know, you can send a text to someone who hasn't been to church for a while and say, hey, miss you at church. I hope you really mean that. I mean, I have messed them at church. I want to see people at church and I want to see people living for the Lord. If the enemy can lure you away from church, it is a demonstration of your commitment level. It's showing that, hey, I, I can find some other things to do. And if other things outside of the scheduled work and take place of church, you need to examine that. I've witnessed the change of commitment uh, to the Lord uh, 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 so many people to the unbridled, so the one time they were at church and served the Lord, and to the unbridled stampede to make more money. I'm out of church and I'm making more money. I work on Sundays. I get time and a half because I work my other hours this week. And I, I'm after money. I'm after money. I'm after money. I've been around long enough to see that that's not the best idea you ever came up with. That's the plan of the enemy. I'm not saying you don't provide for your family and those things. I understand that. But when you're charging on, you know, there's no no holding you back. It's all about the money. You're going to soon find out it's nothing to do with the money. You're losing out. That's Satan and his enemies trying to get you to uh, uh, get your eyes off the Lord. I know we all uh, know and at least been taught, I'm pretty sure all of us here, have been taught that we need to be given a tithe to the, to the Lord. Amen? So if the Lord has blessed you, He's given you work, you're making money, we need to be giving a tithe to the church. If you're dropping in a buck or two, uh, you're missing out. You're not doing what the Lord would have for you. You're showing a lack of commitment. You know, if there's things that can be done around the church and the ministry, and you know you can do it, and you purposely say, no, I won't, you know, you're showing a lack of commitment. I understand we're busy. And don't, don't get this message tonight that I'm trying to lay a guilt trip on anybody. But we need to understand that our enemy, he is deceitful. And he wants to attack and he wants to draw you back away from the Lord rather than going forward. You know, the enemy would love to see the pastor do all the maintenance work. He'd love to see the pastor sign all the checks, pay all the bills, clean the church. And I don't do any of that here. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for a church that does serve, okay? I'm just using this as an example. Why would he love that? Because that keeps the pastor away from praying. It hinders him in studying the Word of God. It impedes him in uh, visiting the sick and the elderly and those who are lost. It impedes him having appointments uh, with Christians and having those divine appointments, the ones that aren't on the schedule, that the Lord brings across your path. If I'm busy doing all those other things, any pastor is busy doing all those other things. Oh man, he's not doing the job that he's called to do. So the reality is, your, my lack of commitment can affect the whole unit. Because we're in this thing together. I cannot do this all by myself. And that's not what God's called us to do. God's not called Pastor Mark Alcock to do everything in the church. I'm so glad that so many do so much here. Amen? But we always have to check our commitment level. We always have to check on it. Hey, if you're putting aside the reading of the Word of God, that faithful prayer lifetime, oh man, you're missing out. It shows a lack of commitment. And you know what I find that when... 
when we make those calls and say, well, I won't go to church now and I won't give as much money now and maybe I won't pray as much, the old enemy is really good at sticking things in there real quick. So now it's harder to get back to where we were before. He's good at that. He's really good at that. You know, folks, we need to do a, a circle check on our life. I, I don't drive a bus or transport truck, but I, I've been around. My grandfather used to drive a transport truck. My dad drives a transport truck. So I would go outside with them. You know, and I watch what they're doing, checking the lights and the air pressure and everything else. I don't know what really they were doing. I was just watching. I was a kid. Woo, this is fun. No. But I've watched, and they're checking. You know why they're checking to make sure that the unit's working properly and it's working the way it should work? Hey, we need to do a circle check on our life. We need to do a circle check on our commitment. Look at what we're doing. Make sure that we're doing what we should be doing. And maybe there's times when we need to reevaluate. Maybe we need to fix some things. I remember sometimes my dad would check the transport truck and say, okay, I can't go out. i got to get this fixed. You know, maybe he was tightening the bolt and changed the bulb light. I don't know what it was. I can't remember everything. But the reality is we need to do that sometimes. Say, Lord, what is it? If the enemy can lead you to talk improperly, if he can get you to be uncaring to the brethren, if he can get you to stop compelling the lost, if he can get you to be uncommitted to the Lord, there certainly will not be any unity of the fellowship. There will not be. You know, there are great abilities that people acquire and cultivate and demonstrate and born with, whatever it is. And in the service of God, there is one ability above all that's the greatest ability. What is it? Social ability, combatability, accountability, adaptability, reliability. I really think the greatest ability is availability. Just being available. If you're not available to God, no matter what other kind of ability you have, it's not going to do any good. Not for the cause of Christ. Ability without availability. I just read that this week. I thought this is a great statement. Ability without availability is a liability. We need to use the abilities we have for the cause of Jesus Christ. And if you don't, you know what I found out so often? Is if we don't use the abilities that God has given us, we end up using them in the world and they are no good out there. Hey, let's use what God has given us. What does that availability mean? It means we place ourselves absolutely in God's control. God, whatever you want me for me to do. Everything you want me to do, I'll do. You know, I need your power, amen? I need your strengthening. I need your uh, wisdom. I, I need everything to go forward. But Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. You know, if the enemy can get you to do those things, the wrong kind of speech, not caring about the brethren, stop compelling the lost, and have you to be uncommitted to the Lord. Your life is in chaos, my friend. You're, you're not living up to the potential the Lord has for you. And as Christians, we're called to be soldiers in the army of the King. Amen? We're called to be soldiers. And if we are living that kind of life, and if we're in that kind of situation this evening, you're not serving the king. You're serving the enemy. If those things I mentioned, there could be other things we could mention as well, but those four things this evening, if we, if that's taking place in our life, 
We're not serving our king. Not with that kind of life. We're serving the, we're serving the enemy. We're aiding and abetting the enemy. You know, I'm excited that so many of our church members have told me they're excited about our theme and our future and things. Listen, the enemy is not excited. And he is on the prowl. And he desires his goal, his mission, his objective is destruction. He does not want our church to take one more step forward. Hey, he hates us. He hates what, he hates the Bible. He hates the Lord. He hates everything that we should love. Hey, let's be watching out. Let's be the, you know, in, in the military context, and I've read lots about military battles and things. When you know what the plan of the enemy is, it helps you immensely. Because then you know how to defend and you know how to go on the offense. You know where his weakness is. Hey, we see from God's word some things that he definitely will attack us on. So let's draw up our battle plan. Let's, let's get back and get in God's word. Hey, our enemy cannot defeat the Word of God. Amen? There's no way. If he could, he would have done it a long time ago. He can't do it. Get in God's Word. Find rest and security in God's Word and go forward. You don't have to fall for these plans. You don't have to be victims of these plans. You don't, you don't have to be held captive by these things. Let's go forward. You know, you know His plan. Now let's follow God's plan. And follow what God has for our hearts and lives.